Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, once again, happy Father's Day. And I want to do this. How, if you're a dad, a stepdad, a grandfather, or a great-grandfather, I want you to stand up. All right. Happy Father's Day. Stay standing up just for a second. When you look around this room and see these guys, I want you to know that, that these guys represent some of the greatest leaders in this whole region. That I look at these men as men of faith, they're men of confidence, they're men of influence, and I am so proud that, uh, just to have you here at Stevens Creek, and it's my prayer that God blesses you today on your Father's Day. Amen. You can be seated. What a great group of folks we have. You definitely are leaders in this generation. You're leaders in this community, and I'm proud, so proud of you. Over the last several weeks, I've started with the same question, and even though we're not in the You Ask It series, I'm going to ask the same question. And you say, what is that? Suppose you could ask God one question, what would it be? Now, all of us, we all have questions. We wonder when, and we wonder why. We wonder, how is this going to happen? And if we wonder, if we could ask God one question, what would that be? Well, today I want to take you uh, into the Old Testament and open up the Bible to, to read a story about a man named Solomon who is given an opportunity to ask God one question. And this one question changed everything. This one prayer that Solomon prayed changed everything. We pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verses 5 through 10. It says that at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask. Solomon, whatever, whatever you want. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful He was faithful to you, and he was righteous, and he was upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king. In other words, Solomon now. David is gone. Solomon, his son, is now the king. You have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am a little child And I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen. Oh, it's a great people. Too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern these great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked For this. So Solomon had an opportunity to ask anything. Whatever you want. And he asked this simple, these simple um, 
request or this, he gave this simple prayer. Over the next few minutes, we're going to look at this prayer a little bit closer, and there are three things in this prayer that we're going to highlight. And to, uh, we're going to conclude this day by praying, you and I praying three prayers. I believe that we create the future in prayer. And I believe that prayer can change your life. So let's dive in. Uh, Solomon asked three things. He said, first of all, uh, we see Solomon approached, excuse me, he had one question, but he approached God with a heart of appreciation. As he started this prayer, he said, God, you've been so kind. You've been so good to my father. You've been good to me. And so when we look at this verse and we see that, that heart of appreciation, it reminds us that a part of all of our prayer life or our prayers that we offer up, we should include appreciation. We should be thankful for what we've been given. When you look at your life, you have been blessed. You have been blessed by the Lord. You've been blessed that we've been given an opportunity to live in this nation. You've been blessed by the families that God has placed you in. And so, and we have been blessed by, this, uh, by his church. So when we come to him in prayer, Solomon is saying, always show a heart of appreciation. Always come to a place where we're saying thankful. There's a, a tendency in our culture that we embrace the way of the culture where we feel like we're entitled for something. And when we have that type of attitude, it kind of moves uh, appreciation and thankfulness right out the door. And so let our hearts always be filled with appreciation and thankfulness for God has been good to us and he has been good to our families. When I look at this, Solomon also in verse 4, he, preached with a sense of, he approached God with a sense of humility. He said, now, Lord my God, you have made me, you had made your servant king in place of my father David. He said, but I'm just a little child. Notice this. And I don't even know how to carry out my duties here. He said, your servant is here among your people and that you have chosen. It's a great people. And, and it's too numerous for me to count or even number. What we see here in this is that Solomon was very honest about his weaknesses. He simply said, God, I need help. I need help. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were in a situation that was above your pay grade? That you felt like the responsibilities that were given to you uh, were so large that there's no way that you can humanly do this? Man, I have been there Many, many times. I've been in situations where the job just seems too big, too large. The, the challenge is too much. And that's how Solomon was feeling. He felt like the challenge was big. The job was too big. He felt like he just couldn't do it. And he was honest about it. He said, God, I need help. He said, I don't even know how to carry. I feel like a little child. I don't even know how to carry out my duties. Now, in doing this, you see that Solomon was approaching God with a very humble attitude. He could have come to God with this entitlement attitude, uh, this uh, saying, you know, I am David's son, and, and start to move into that type of attitude. But no, he said, God, I'm a little child. I can't carry this out. And he was humble. Another way to describe somebody that is humble is the word teachable. That they, they realize that they need help, 
They need to be taught. They need somebody to show them how to do this. If you're in a situation right now and you feel like that, uh, that it's overwhelming and that you, the job, the responsibility is, is much too large, I want you to just take a, a deep breath. And I just want to say, God, help me in this. God, help me. I need your help. And, and be teachable and be willing to learn from the right people. So many times uh, we allow fear to come up. And when fear comes up, we, we allow pride to seep in. And I talk about this a lot. That we allow our ego to edge God out. And that's what ego stands for. E-G-O, edge God out. You've heard me say that probably hundreds of times. But we often do that. We edge God out. We edge other people out, people that can help us. But Solomon's not doing that. He's saying, God, I need you. I need you to help me. In other words, he didn't edge God out, but he invited God in. And that's what I want you to consider today. I want you to invite God into this situation. I want you to invite God into this problem, into this challenge. Say, God, give me the ability to handle this. It could be a situation at home. It could be a relationship. It could be a, a challenge at work. It, be, it could be something in the community where God has given you an opportunity to make a difference. And you know that you have this opportunity, but yet you feel so inadequate to handle it. That's where God's going to come alongside of you, and he's going to give you the strength and the ability to get through this. It's not going to be easy. It will be very difficult, very difficult, but you will be able to get through this. When you come to God with humility, say, God, I need help. Help me. Help me. And you approach God in that way, and you'll find what you are looking for. I said there's three things we see in this prayer. The third thing, Solomon approached God with a specific need. I want to encourage you that as you develop your prayer life, always uh, lean in with specific things. So many times, there's a tendency in a lot of us to pray general prayers like, God bless America, okay? And we want God to bless America. But I want to pray not only general prayers, but... I want to pray specific prayers. God, you know that I need help and just here, here, and here. And you know what that does to me? That releases faith. Because when we're starting to look at a situation, God, I need you to help me because tomorrow I've got to face this conversation. I don't know what to say to it. I need help. And then when he shows up and gives you the words to say, then you know that God has been involved in your life and God heard your prayer. When you learn to pray specific prayers, you will start to see God's hand at work in your life. God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to pour out his favor on you. And so... Solomon prayed two specific prayers. Here's the first one. He said, God, give me a discerning heart to govern your people. God, give me a heart that understands. God, give me a heart that listens. Uh, God, give me a heart that responds to, to your people. And so the question is, as we look at that, he was saying, God, I'm willing to listen. 
God, give me a heart that is willing to listen to the people. Are you willing to listen? You know, I think that God will always speak loud enough for a willing ear to hear. And so he prayed, God, give me a discerning heart. The second specific prayer Solomon prayed is, God, give me the ability to distinguish right from wrong. This is important. He wanted to know the difference between truth and error, good and evil, right and wrong. He knew that if he was going to uh, be given the task of making decisions, that he wanted to make the right decisions. And to do that, he needed to be able to tell right from wrong. And some of you said, come on, Marty, it's easy. It's black or white. I mean, it's very clear. No, that's not the world I live in. The world I live in, is there's a lot of gray issues. And that's why often I have to say, God, show me. Make it very clear. I pray this. God, open the door that I'm to walk in through. God, close the door that I'm to stay away from. And so I have to pray those kind of prayers. God, I need clarity. Show me. Because I know this. I have an enemy, and you have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. And the Bible says that he comes to deceive He is an angel of light who comes to deceive the very elect of God. And so we need to know the difference between right and wrong. We need to be very clear. You're not going to always find out the difference between right and wrong uh, from the media or from the entertainment industry. It doesn't happen that way. But you have to go to God in prayer and you have to look at his word. This word becomes a roadmap. And what, what Solomon was saying is, God, I need help in this. I need to know, is, is this what I should do here or is this? Give me clarity on that. And so God answered his prayer. But God not only answered Solomon's prayer, but he went above and beyond. You know, we speak about this oftentimes, like Ephesians chapter 3 says that he will give you immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine according to his power that works in you. This is what we see unfolding right here in this story, in Solomon's story. Next verse, verse 11. So God just said to him, so since you ask for this, since you ask for this and not for long life or wealth or for yourself, Nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you a wise and discerning heart. Yes, I'm going to answer. That's a good prayer. I'm going to do that. So that you'll never have anyone... There will never have been anyone like you, nor will there be ever one be. I am so... Messed up on that one. How about this? Slow down as let's read it right. I'm going to start up here. So that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be anyone like you. Speaking of his legacy. Moreover, uh, I will give you what you have not asked for. This is where I'm landing. God is going to give you what you haven't asked for. I'm going to give you both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. That God said, because of your heart, 
I'm going to pour out blessings on you. Blessings that are over and abundant of what you ask. I believe God still does that. Because I look at your lives and I look at so many of you and that you've had these desires and you, and, and you say, God, I want to do this. And then all of a sudden God opens that door and it becomes, it is so much more than you ever imagined. I, I've seen it, uh, Patty and I have seen it in our lives where his favor, because that's the kind of God we serve. When we submit our lives to him, He takes what we give him, and then he multiplies that. So he is the God that we are to call on today. I said we're going to pray three prayers. We are going to pray three prayers. And I believe that every one of us, as a result of these three prayers, can leave a God-honoring legacy if we continue to pray prayers like this. We look at Solomon. um, That last verse talked about his legacy. And that his legacy lives on even today. He's written two books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes and um, three books. How about Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs. And so these are books of wisdom. And so uh, we see that his legacy has lived on. So if we're going to leave a legacy, I believe it begins in prayer. Here's the first prayer. God, open my eyes to who you are. And help me to become the person that I'm meant to be. Now, you... So that kind of sounds familiar. Because I pray this line of this uh, prayer regularly from this stage. Because I think it's so important. So let's start. God, open my eyes. God, let me see you. Let me see you to who you are. God, you are my father. You are the... Uh, the one that is in charge, and I am submitting to you. Now, so many times we hear the word submit, and we, we kind of push back because we feel like that is, oh, that's one of those uh, words that we don't use anymore. No, 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 we need to embrace that word, submit. So what does that mean? Submission is this. When I ask you, submit yourselves to the Lord, you, submission is an invitation for someone else to lead. Submission is an invitation for someone else to lead. So when you submit to the Lord, you're saying, God, take leadership in this area here. Take leadership in my life. You know, the Bible talks about mutually submitting one to another. We're saying, okay, we're gonna, I want you to take leadership in this, in this area. Patty and I, uh, we are mutually submitted to each other. There are certain things that uh, I will take the lead on and certain things that she is so much better than I am in taking the lead on. And so you've got to learn that in relationships. You've got to learn that mutual submission and that you're saying, I need you to take the lead here. We often, Patty and I say those words, uh, I need you to take the lead in here because I, I can't do this. And so we come to the place where we do that. Um, and so we're praying this first prayer, God, open my eyes to see who you are and help me to become the person that I was meant to be. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And so we are praying, God, let your purpose be fulfilled in us. And, and when you uh, sit here on Father's Day and you think about legacy uh, leaders, we understand that real, genuine legacy leaders begin um, their journey with us 
by submitting their lives to Jesus Christ. And that is an important part. If you want your legacy to span the generations, you need to get connected with the Lord. Now, some of you struggle with this. You struggle with this um, because you're so focused on everything else in your life. And you have looked at your life as if you have compartments and you have your family compartment here and you have your recreational department here. You've got your, uh, your career here and then maybe church here and so forth. And, and you compartmentalize. And I get that. It helps you probably get a lot of things done. But God just doesn't want to be a part of one of your compartments. God wants to be the Lord of every part of your life. Every part. Not just Sunday, but every day. So God, open my eyes. Let me see who you are and help me to become the person that I was meant to be. Here's the second prayer that we're going to pray together. God, help me to make good decisions so that I will honor you with my life. Help me to make good decisions. It is important that you and I learn how to make good decisions. And let's be honest, some of the good decisions that I've learned how to make, I've learned because I've made bad decisions. Like, I'm never going to do that again. And so never look at one of your bad decisions or bad seasons in your life uh, as wasted energy. You may have been wasted, but not as wasted energy. (laughs) That woke some of you up. Uh, God never wastes a pain or a problem but he will use those to build you up into the person that he's created you to be. God will use those experiences. But what I want you to understand is that I want you to grow in a way that you don't repeat the same mistakes that you've done in the past. And let me say this, you don't have to make mistakes to learn uh, good principles. You can learn it from other people. You can watch people and say, man, I've seen what uh, this person's done, and I'm never going to do that. And so you can just have your eyes open and say, God, help me to make the good decision so that I can honor you with uh, my life. And when we learn how to make good decisions, we'll become people of influence, and God is raising you up to be that. God is raising you up to be people of influence in this community. Here's the third prayer. God, give me your power and a sense of balance so that I can finish the race strong. Here's what I'm saying in this. These are just prayers. God, give me your power. I realize I need a power that's greater than myself. There are many times, like I said, that I feel like I am uh, in a situation that I do not have the strength to handle the situation. And that's where I I need an infusion of God's power, an infusion of God's strength, and you do too. You need help. And so just say, God, I need help. Give me your strength. But you know, I've noticed, uh, I've added to this, I need your power. But I I threw in these words because I think it's important, and maybe this is just for me. I need a sense of balance. Have you ever felt like that you were being pulled in every different direction? And oftentimes you've been pulled in those directions by great opportunities. And so you're pulled here and you're pulled there. You've got to come to the place where you have God's strength that you can stand the, the test of time and the, 
uh, the struggles or the challenges, but then that you have this sense of balance among you. You need a sense of balance. You know, the Bible talks about not looking to the left or looking to the right, but wholly following the Lord. There's this sense of balance. And some folks struggle with that. It's like their lives are up here or down here. But you need to grow up and develop in a place where there's a balance in your life. If you have this balance and can develop that, you will be able to finish the race strong because this race you are running, it's more like a marathon than it is a 100-yard dash. And so you need to take a breath and say, okay, we're going to get through this, and then we're going to get through next week, and then the following week. And you're going to have this. God, you're going to help me. Give me your strength and your power. Give me a sense of balance. Help me to put you first. Because I really feel like that when you put God first, you'll start to have that balance develop develop in your life. I love the words of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things, all these things will be given to you as well. Again, it's the more than enough principle. It's the immeasurably more principle. Seek first. Put God first and all these other things. God's going to meet those needs. And so those are the three prayers. You probably have them on your handout. And I want you to take and just pray through those this week. I believe that every one of us can leave a God-honoring legacy by continually praying these three prayers. I want to conclude the, the message with a story of two guys. Two men who have made a, a great impact on my life. The first one is Herbert Martin. Here's this picture. Um, this is my grandfather. Uh, his name was Herbert, but everybody in Abbeville called him Hubbit. Hubbit. So this is Hubbit, and this is my grandmother, Big Mama. Now, she's not a big person, but we called her Big Mama, and everybody called her Big Mama. And so um, this picture was probably taken in the late 1960s. And let me tell you about this guy here. This guy was happy all the time. All the time. Um, now, after he died, he died in 1973. Um, after he died, I found out why he was happy all the time because he was he was high, he was drunk, he was um, he had an addiction problem. Okay, now he would pick me up from school every day, and then he would like to talk to me about the good old days, you know, and he'd tell me the history of all that. Um, and then oftentimes uh, I would go, and back in those days you could go to the drugstore and they would have a cough medicine with codeine in it, and he loved that. And so he'd send me in there to buy it for him as a little tyke. And so anyway, uh, back in the day, my grandmother, who was, so he couldn't keep a job either. Okay, he had a hard time keeping a job. So my grandmother was a hard, hard worker. And one, one day she had had enough, and she, sent him, she drove him to Kentucky to a rehab place. Okay, she drove him because they didn't have anything like that back then uh, near Abbeville. And so she checked him into rehab. He hitchhiked back to Abbeville and got there before she did. And he was sitting on the couch when she walked in the door. (laughs) And so um, I know a lot of these stories because I lived them. But I also know these stories because Pastor Dave uh, gave me uh, Ancestry.com for Christmas, a Christmas present. So I've been... taking a deep dive into a lot of these stories. Um, but when I think about him, I think he told me about his granddaddy. 
His granddaddy is named James Martin. James came to South Carolina in 1825. He boarded a ship with his family from Ireland and came over. And uh, his granddaddy, James, uh, was a, a great student. He was a, uh, a teacher at, at John Delahouse School over in McCormick County. And he was elected as, uh, the, in the House of Representatives for the state of South Carolina uh, back in the 1850s, 1860s. No doubt that his granddaddy was uh, on Secession Hill when South Carolina seceded from the Union because that took place in Abbeville. Um, and so uh, all involved in all of that. After the war in 1868, his granddaddy uh, was leaving the courthouse because he was a lawyer too and was going home and got four miles out of town. And the Charleston paper said a group of ruffians attacked him and murdered him. And so I just remembered as a kid hearing this story about uh, him being murdered. And uh, I've been reading up on that and just seeing that and how that one act of violence redirected a family. That um, after that happened, you know, back in those days, it's not like you had insurance. It's not like you had Social Security. You didn't have a safety net. And you take the bread winner out of the equation and now you've got um, a single mom struggling without any help it, it affects it and so the, she had to have, the kids had to go to work and so forth so where am I going right um, probably two years before this uh, picture was taken his son Carol my uh, uncle um, was the first one to graduate high school in maybe a hundred years 98 years because of that uh, took place, it set the family on a course of difficulty, of poverty, of, um, of work, that the kids had to go to work. And so this whole thing affected him. And um, finally that curse was broken. Um, in 1973, I heard that he had had a heart attack and, you know, um, the Pentecostal Holiness pastor went over to the hospital and led him to the Lord. And after he was saved, he died several days after that. And I think about him. He was a nice man, but he never reached his full potential. I read uh, Job chapter 19 and verse 20. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped with only the skin of my teeth. My grandfather made it into heaven by the skin of his teeth. And I really feel like it was the, praying, the prayers of my grandmother that made the difference. Okay. So I said, I'm going to tell you two stories. That's one. That he was a nice man. He was the life of the party, but he never reached his full potential. The next uh, man I want to talk about, this is my grandfather, Leroy. Now, if you're from up north, it's Leroy. But down south, it's Leroy. Um, now, Leroy, uh, he was a hard man. He was a mean man. He was an angry man, okay? Um, and he was a, um, a lint head. A lint, anybody know what a lint head is? Anybody? Okay, you got some folks. Now, lint heads are folks that worked in cotton mills in the south all day long. And so when they, they came out of the cotton mill, they had lint in their hair. And so they called them lint heads as a kind of a derogatory uh, term, but... We embrace it because that's who we are. So he was a lint head, but he's a mean, angry. 
But one day he went down to a brush arbor. A brush arbor in those days was a makeshift church where they'd have a revival. And he went down there and heard the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And he was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, his life radically changed. I mean radically changed. He, was, became, he became a different person um, every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, he and the kids walked down that uh, road to the Winsboro Church of God, and he taught Sunday school there, and he was a consistent volunteer, and he gave his life to the Lord and to that little church. He had nine kids. Granddaddy never made very much money. It, I think he, when he retired, he made $11,000 that year. That was his highest income. Um, and my dad was the oldest of them. And I spent two weeks every summer with him in Winsboro. And as a child, he, he scared me because he was like six foot two and that was big. And he was like 250, 300 pounds. And, and so I just let my words be few. Um, and when I was in college, uh, we had a ministry team from Lee University to go down to their church. And so I got to spend uh, a weekend with him when I was in college. And I was, it snowed that weekend, so services were canceled on Saturday night. And we were at their house, and I was with my grandmother. And all of a sudden, I heard this crying. I mean, this loud, the man was just crying. And it startled me. I mean, I'm in college now, but it scared me. I thought, and she could see I'm startled. And she said, oh, that's your granddaddy. Uh, he's in the living room, and um, he gets emotional when he talks to God. Those were her words. He gets emotional when he talks to God. And then he starts to cry out like that. And that made an impact on me. We fast forward. We started the church here. He died in December 1991, and I was called over to Columbia to the hospital. You go in those rooms, you know, the family around the bed and everything else. And, and I'm just trying to... I'm, not, I'm a grandchild. I'm not a child, you know. Um, and so I'm just trying to stay in the back. And, and the doctors came in. I want to slip out and, you know, just let them handle it. And he looked over to me and he said, Son, come here and pray for me. Those were the last words I ever heard my granddaddy say. Come here and pray for me. And at his funeral, I was amazed at how many... Uh, pastors from across the state, the administrative bishop from the denomination was there. All these people came to a funeral of this lint head who worked in the cotton mills all of his life. He never had any money, but he left a legacy of faith through nine kids who loved the Lord and served Christ in his church and 15 grandkids. And on Father's Day, I think about that. I think about what kind of legacy am I going to leave? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? And some of you are dads and, and some of you are moms who are, are single moms and you're the mom and the dad. So what kind of legacy? And, and, it, and a legacy is not that you have a lot of money because my granddaddy didn't have money. But what he had was worth more than money. What he had was a genuine relationship with the Lord. What he had was a tender faith. What he had was a, a passion to serve Christ in his church and to pass that down to the next generation. And so here on Father's Day, we have this opportunity to look at our lives and say, okay, what kind of legacy am I going to leave? This question is not for the person sitting by you or the person in front of you or behind you. This question is for you, whether you are a mom or a dad or maybe you're a student it doesn't matter. You're going to leave a legacy. 
So the question is, are you going to make it in by the skin of your teeth? Are you going to make it in with people gathering to say how much you helped change their lives? I believe that you're a person of influence, and I believe that you can be a leader in this generation. And it starts by being a leader, a person of influence at your home. And that starts by simply loving people. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God moves in your life and puts you on a path where you understand, yes, right from wrong, and you you understand what it means to be humble and that you understand what it means to make good decisions. But I want you to understand what it means to have God live inside of you and have his power flow through you. And as we pray, just say, God, I receive what you have for me, okay? Father, I just pray for this congregation today. I pray for those watching online. God, as we can sense your presence in this room. God, I ask that you would come and bring salvation for those that have never made a decision for Christ, that today would be the day they say, Jesus, save me. God, I pray that you'd bring healing in this place. And God, those that are struggling with um, relationships and struggling with family issues, I ask God that you'd bring healing into these families. And Lord, fill this place, God, with love and let your joy and your laughter cover us today. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.